Hello, and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host, Connor, and today I am joined by my very first guest on the show, the incomparable Gyro Sean. Sean, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well now that we've sorted out our uh, initial technical difficulties. <laughs> you know, it was it's it's amazing. Uh, the benefits of, of doing a creator tourney is not just meeting other creators, but... Uh, you know, you meet the right folks and and they have the skills to teach you how to use an entire program like OBS in under five minutes. Yeah, um, I, mean, I got the crash course I, on that program. And so already right. the partnership is paying off. <laughs> no, Excellent. I mean, I, I take very little credit. It's a very simple program. Yeah. Uh, if, if what you're trying to do is record for a podcast, especially. So Excellent. Uh, thank you for coming on the show as well. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I, I'm glad that we could find a time that worked, given that you're on the opposite side mm. of the world. Ooh, uh, the antipode, very nearly. Yes. <laughs> oh, look at you. Oh, so smart. You're so smart. I know. I just um, knew that off the top of my head. It definitely wasn't from a, an abandoned first attempt at a recording or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we found some time to get to, to have this chat about Digimon, and I'm Oh. I'm excited to chat with you after having uh, a match with you uh, yeah. in the last tournament. That, that's really worked out. We did have a match, and um, it went a certain way. And I'm not going to... We don't need to get into unimportant details, like who maybe won, who didn't win any of the games. We didn't, like... Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but your uh, your list of questions here includes getting into <laughs> details about who won. <laughs> uh. Oh, my God. All right. So, um, as regular listeners will know, uh, last weekend, Sean and myself both participated in H Gaming's Welcome to Primary Village tournament, which was a webcam tournament where all the participants were sort of up and coming content creators for the Digimon card game. And I thought that this was a really great event and it was run really well. Sean, I'm not sure how you felt about it, but. Yeah, I thought it was run well yeah. as well. I mean, mm. it was, um, you know, they had a bunch of content creators and it was uh, streamed and it was, uh, so they had Aspira, I don't know how you pronounce it, Aspira and, and Eggman, yeah, um, yeah. who were the commentators and streamers. Uh, and that seemed to do well. And um, it was only 32 people. So I think it was a nice way to ease into running these tournaments uh, for the, the H gaming folks, which yeah. I always, I always encourage if you're going to just start doing tournaments, don't, don't try to go too big for your first few, get the hang of how it all works first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, um, no, it was really good fun. It was a great way to bring sort of all these people together who, um, I think the criteria was to have less than a thousand subscribers or something. So definitely people who are maybe, yeah, a bit more up and coming, not necessarily established content creators and really just sort of share um as we have already share knowledge um and that sort of thing which is really cool as well met quite a few people which is excellent i always like meeting people at events and this is a really great one to sort of do that connection because everybody there was there to make those sort of connections basically i feel like that was the prime reason a lot of people were there that's definitely the prime reason i was there yeah i mean i was there to meet some other content creators yeah. too i find um I, I I do have another YouTube channel for Pokemon, a completely separate one, but <laughs> that's like one of the nicest things is like when you get to work with other creators, yeah. um, because not only do you share a love of the game, but you also have this other 
thing as well, which is like making, whether it's videos or podcasts or, or whatever it might be, you have this other thing that you can also relate to on yeah. a different level. So, Yeah, and that's something I've said a lot on this show is that one of the fav- my favorite things about going to Digimon card game events or any card game events is that when you're talking to people, it kind of takes a little bit of the anxiety out of it because you know you've got something in common. You know that, like, if nothing else, you've got something you can talk to people about. Yeah. Which, as somebody who oh, does mean, struggle a bit in social situations, that really helps. It's like, I know what I'm going to talk to you about. It's Digimon, and I know you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like, yeah, so I guess another thing for, like, a lot of the Digimon tournaments, like when it's a webcam event especially... Um, in the Pokemon world, where I come from before Digimon, uh, everything right now is like via their online client. And the online client, there is no, there is no communicating with your opponent except for like pre-canned responses. Yeah. But to your point, the thing I liked most is like for a social setting, you get to actually talk to the person. Yeah. and You can both commiserate when somebody has an awful hand <laughs> or, you know, be amazed when somebody's security is absolutely insane. Um Oof. And you, you can't do that in online. So I really like also this yeah. webcam feel. Yeah, very cool. Um, so a shout out to H Gaming for hosting the event and to Yomsky, who was the judge for the event and who seemed to do really, really well. The lone judge, I think, which is, it's not a huge event, but that's still pretty impressive to take that on by yourself. So thanks to her as well. Yeah. yeah. And um, speaking of shout outs every week, I do ask a listener question at the end of the episode, and then every week at the top of the episode, we shout out one listener who answered last week's question. So last week I asked how you listeners prepare for an important event, and I just wanted to shout out to Mitchell Kran, who answered, I take time beforehand to switch off and relax a bit, and then generally only cram if I'm super underprepped, which is good. Uh, I tend to not be very prepped usually, so... I tend to have to cram quite a lot. So thank you, Mitchell, for that answer. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So today, I just wanted to go through with Sean. We'll give a bit of a report on the tournament. We'll talk about our matchups, how we did, and kind of anything that was worth talking about that came up in our games. And these were games that we were playing with people who think a lot about this card game, probably put a bit more um, of their lives into this card game than maybe your average person at your local game store. So I feel like we had some pretty cool games were happening i did get a chance to look at some of the streams and see that there were yes some really cool um games going on so i feel like there'll be hopefully a lot to talk about um yeah and sean you were saying that you've got a lot of experience with trading card games could you pokemon especially could you tell us a bit about that just so we know where you're coming from the listeners know my background but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh, as i already alluded to i I came from a Pokemon TCG background before Digimon. Um, that was like my entry point back into competitive card games uh, as an adult. Uh, I played, I, I, I quote unquote played card games as a kid, but I feel like the majority of kids don't play it correctly <laughs> yeah. or at a competitive level. Um, so this was really my first foray into proper competitive card game. I played board games, but yeah, Pokemon TCG. Um, I dabbled a little bit in Keyforge as well. Okay. Um, but that was very limited because I started in Keyforge and then, uh, the pandemic occurred and Keyforge is like only on, uh, only in person basically. So I was like, well, (laughs) there goes that. Uh, I played a little bit of Dragon Ball Super as well. Mostly just like learned it with my friends. I have one deck. 
Yeah. And then, yeah, Digimon TCG. And and uh, I'm, I'm learning even weird stuff now, though, too. I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the Highlander movie and TV show from back uh, in the 90s. Vaguely, I do recall this, uh, this Well, perhaps some of your older listeners may be familiar that that franchise had a trading card game like many other franchises in the 90s. Oh, uh, it had a trading card game in the early to mid '90s. I didn't play it; my friend did, and so uh, I'm also working on a working on some videos in the future that involve the Highlander trading card game. Oh, I love that! <laughs> These obscure old games is uh, where I kind of want to lean sometimes. Oh man, I feel like there'd be a few of those too because the '90s you had sort of Magic took off, and then Pokemon dropped and. Be- became instantly huge and i feel like there was a time there where every franchise was like we need to have a trading card game so there'd be all kinds of bizarre relics of that sort of 90s big boom i think oh yeah i mean even even like post 90s right like because i think you'll get a lot of games in the 90s that were you know more or less well conceived right like you know by that i mean some of them were conceived well enough and had some fandom and a lot of them were like you know, video game. Uh, you know, video games based off of movies in the '80s, which is just bad. <laughs> um, but then you had a revival in trading card games again when the uh, the latest board game revolution happened, uh, probably ten years ago. And so, another game. A friend of mine is also. I, I've, I've my, I have a lot of pots on the 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 stove, if oh, you will. Excellent. Uh, is the My Little Pony CCG? So <laughs> that's a more. <laughs> oh wow! Cool. Uh, okay uh, moving forward last week uh i talked about preparing for a tournament that was the whole sort of theme of the episode and as a follow-up to that today i wanted to ask you sean what's your sort of method for preparing for an event like this what kind of things do you consider going into a tournament whether it's a big one or just your locals or whatever it might be huh well I, an average event uh meaning like you know it, it, not knowing it's a creator turning right yeah i think that's yeah. the unique part this one uh i if it was a hyper competitive setting like it was actual like a regional for like you know like the core tcg event let's say that they did here in the u.s the official bandai one you know i would spend some time saying like i would commit to a deck a little bit earlier and i would try to get a, a you know a small tournament or two in of practice with that deck yeah which especially in like the early world of digimon like Getting actual games in, like proper games in a tournament setting, even if it's small with a deck, going into a big tournament is a huge advantage over a lot of players because there's just so few tournaments that that kind of experience is invaluable. Um, I personally don't have testing partners or anything like that. Yeah. I, you know, Obviously, it's very early in the Digimon world, too. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think, um, yeah, if once, you know, in the u.s once covid sort of lessens a little bit and i can find a couple of people that live near me that also play that might be something that i do because that's a little bit of what i do for pokemon but yeah that's like the generic big event answer for this event i was like (laughs) it was a mix of i want to play something that i know will be competitive so uh i did that but i was like but i want to add a twist because you know a lot of decks people have seen, they, they know, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, I, you know, part of this creator tourney is also, it was about having fun too. Cause yeah. 
yeah, it was invite only. It was free to participate. Yes, there is a prize if you win, but other than that, I'm like, well, the prize for me is if I do well with the deck that is either completely new or has a weird twist that it's like, I don't know why or how this human being did this, <laughs> that's a win in my book. So that oh, was how I prepared for that one specifically. Awesome. Um, so we'll jump right into the sort of main crux of the episode. This past weekend, as we said, we participated in the Welcome to Primary Village tournament, um, which was this webcam tournament aimed at bringing together up-and-coming Digimon card game content creators. There were 32 participants, I think we said, but I don't know that everybody quite made it on the day or a few people sort of dropped out as we went, but there were still quite a few people who sort of made it the whole way through, which was really good. So there were lots of games, lots of stuff going on, some great players, some really cool decks. I think a lot of people came to it with uh, the same attitude as you and probably myself, which was not necessarily to play just top of the meta, but to bring something that has that kind of twist or something a bit interesting. So that really made it sort of a, a unique kind of a, a environment to play in, actually, because you didn't really know what you were going to come up against in, I think, maybe the more sort of um, tuned metas. People are like, yeah, you know, straight blue Omnimon, straight purple value, whatever it might be. But here it was like, yeah, this is my hybrid color deck and i played it once and yeah. i don't know if it works but if it does it's going to be awesome so yeah yeah i um, mean speaking of that I, I mean i guess i'll get into it when i go yeah, through yeah. my round so uh, some of the weird decks that i played against oh yeah definitely um but first what deck were you playing sean what did you bring to the table well i mean like i said i wanted to play something somewhat good and familiar but with a twist and the good and familiar part, I think all your listeners, uh, or many of them, may be uh, rolling their eyes. I did play, <laughs> quote-unquote, Blue Omni, uh, which, you know, it, it's the, the, the version that I played is probably the most common version, which is the, you know, mm. um, Gorilla Mon, like, you know, memory choke plus, like, you get the extra memory trying to turbo into it with yeah. two-cost Plesiomons. I think... In the blue part of my deck, um, I don't even think this is really that different, but I do have two Metal Garurumons rather than going with an, a complete Plesiomon lineup. Um, okay. And that's partly for, for other reasons. I like to have the option to bring something out from underneath it, whether that's Grizzlymon or the Garurumon that unsuspends. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, it can get a lot of value out of that. Um, but... That and that is really like the only special bits. Everything else is pretty straightforward <clears throat> in the blue part. Yeah. But where I deviated was I had three volcanic dramons in the deck, which is <laughs> a wildly high count of volcanic dramon. I think most only will play two. Yeah, I don't think I have uh, three, and I'm playing red, so I can actually digivolve into it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and like. So I have three because I needed to make space for other things. And I'm like, okay, I need to potentially use this bulk, this Volcanic Jermon, as an actual source for Omni so I can yeah. actually take out a couple of those Plesiomons as well. Um, so I'm not just adding to blue. I have to actually yeah. remove other parts. And then the other card, the really spicy bit, was four Gaia Force. Oh, man. So that was spicy. <laughs> we'll get into it. But yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> Um, so that was the deck I was playing, and um, yeah. I mean, my thinking there, just you know, uh, before we get into the games and see how it panned out, was um, Blue Omni is great 
with uh, turboing into the Omnimon and being yeah. a big old thing that's hard to get rid of unless you got uh, unless you're up against red with Gaia, or yeah. if you're in also like Omni mirrors, it can be hard to get rid of an Omni because, especially blue Omni, because you're yeah. like only option is to go into Omni in response. So uh, that, my my thought with Gaia was like, hey, let's roll the dice, make it a little less consistent, but yeah. give ourselves these other options of removal. Not very cool. And uh, for my part, I was playing a deck that's probably fairly familiar to regular listeners of the show. It was my sort of red, aggressive deck. I have changed it up a little bit recently. I swapped out some of the... Um, I swapped out the starter deck, Metal Greymon, for Ground Dramon because my idea was just... The, the main crux of the deck is to get up to the sort of megas, and then those are the main attackers. So I thought instead of the... Really sort of situational starter deck Metal Greymon, which really only gives you value if it's under a level 6 and it gets blocked and all this other stuff. Just cheaper to get up to the attackers and start swinging because the deck wants to be quick. So that was the main sort of change I made. But otherwise, it's pretty standard to the list I've already posted. I will put it up again just so people can have a look. But um, I don't know how interested people are going to be. It didn't perform that well, to be honest, on the day. Well, you had, um, was it Gallantmon that you had in there, though? And it, uh, did you run any Omnis in there, or just like two, maybe? I, I didn't have any Gallantmon. The, it was oh, okay. one Breakdramon, one Wargreymon, the base set Wargreymon, which is the one that doesn't mm, trigger okay. option cards, which I thought was pretty pretty cool. I'd swapped that in. I did have two Breakdramon for a while, but I've traded in the Wargreymon just for a bit more security attack, because it does give you that security attack on Digivolving. Uh, two Volcanic Dramon, which are... I actually tend to use mostly as attackers because of, again, that extra security attack. And I tend to buff my Digimon quite a lot, so only having 10,000 isn't as much of a problem as it might be in other situations. And then, Mm. yeah, just the one Omnimon. Um, I would probably play more if I had more. I don't want to say, oh, no, I only play one Omnimon as a tech card. I play one Omnimon because I've opened one box and I've pulled one Omnimon. (laughs) So... Uh, in the world that we're living in now, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. My my LGS did... I totally agree with it. It was a really cool thing. But because um, product was so limited for the pre-release, they limited everybody to you can have one box and one copy of each starter deck, which I thought was really fair. And it's actually led to a pretty interesting um, meta locally because nobody has like a fully tuned <laughs> deck. So it's been kind of interesting. We're all playing a little bit jankily and... It's always really fun to go down and see what people were able to put together with just one box. Um, if you have a spare box kicking around, I would recommend building a deck out of just what you get out of that box. It's a really interesting sort of thought exercise, but that's probably another topic for another time. We've got some rounds to get through. <laughs> And look, we alluded to it um, immediately. Round one, Sean, you and I played against each other. And um, I don't remember how it ended. I think it was pretty pretty even. I don't know that anybody yeah, could. I, it's, a, it's a weird one. I, yeah. I guess I didn't. I don't remember that round as, as clearly because I had so many more rounds after it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I feel like it was a relatively close match. Um I can't remember you ever getting into your War Greymons that didn't trigger options. Or if you did, it, you know, it never came into play. No, I don't think it ever came into play. I've, I, again, I've only opened one, so I was only playing one, so I wouldn't have come up that often, but it is in there as a 
Um, no, it didn't really come up. Um, I've I took some notes before I knew that you would actually be coming on the show to talk about this round. My ra- my notes here say zero two loss. That's a disappointing start. Sean played Volcanic Dramon as tech and off-color Gaia Force. Even off-color, Gaia Force showed how it is the best removal option in the 1.0 format. <laughs> I think that speaks to my um, my mindset at the time. I'd, I'd stand by that as a statement, but um, you got some pretty good, um, pretty good luck with those uh, Gaia Forces. I definitely wasn't expecting the first one. Which um yeah, did you hit it in security the first one? I think the first one you played from hand, which was even oh <laughs> like you so had the like, volcanic yeah. mod and you hard played Gaia Force. <laughs> I'm ready to play yeah. play against Blue Omnimon, and then I'm suddenly I've got to worry about Gaia Force. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> the one I, yeah, saving I grace I had was your removal wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I was gonna say like um. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm remembering back to the game now, and I think you said afterwards that you only had two of your own Gaia Force because, to your point, you only got one starter yeah. deck. Um, and I think at one point, like I was like playing Volcanic, and when you didn't Gaia Force it, I think I maybe said to you after the game, I was like, I was just expecting that Volcanic to be gone because yeah. Security plus one is just absolutely devastating if you can't get rid of it. Also, oh, yeah. as an attacker, so. huge. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the fact that you you only had the two Gaia's and the one Omni meant you also didn't have the removal to respond yeah. to to my Volk. So it, it lived long enough to actually be useful for Gaia Force in hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also game two, I think I got a lot closer to pulling out the win. But from my memory and from my notes, you had a pretty fortunate Volcanic Dramon. I was pretty wide on the board at that point. Mm. I think, and it was just, uh, right. again, shows the value of having those, you know, those removal pieces. I guess that's one of the... Yeah. Yeah, it's something people maybe don't think about as much with Digimon because the removal pieces are kind of a bit weird and they seem to be very high cost. Like, you look at a card that says 8 memory and you're like, oh, is if you don't know too much about the game, you're like, is that worth playing? But, yeah, the... It just goes to show when you've got the right removal, it really does swing the game around for you, especially stuff like the Volcanic Dramon, which can clear a board of attackers in the right situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I think to that point, like, it's an interesting dynamic of, you know, sometimes it's, it's sometimes, obviously it's going to be the right and the wrong call on different occasions. And yeah. You have to guess and take a risk. But there are times when you're like, yeah, I can give you a lot of memory, but that doesn't mean they will always have what they need in hand to respond to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, to that point about you look at some of that memory and you're like, you know, if, if this risk is going to get me a poten- if the upside is a potential uh, advantage state, like yeah. board state that is unrecoverable for my opponent, then sometimes you can roll that dice and just say, I'm going to put you on the spot right here. And if you don't have a way to get around this, then there's no way that you can come back. And um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's aggressive. It's an aggressive way of playing for sure. But definitely. Um, and while we're here, I did also want to shout out Purple Copperhead, who gave me a little bit of inspiration halfway through that game. I believe they were watching your stream and then mentioned to you that they were a listener of the show, which was really cool. 
That's- oh yeah, I remember that. They were like, "Oh yeah, I listened to the Memory Gauge podcast," and yeah. I was like, "Yo, shout out, Connor! Got a shout out in the Twitch stream." So Ooh, shout out it. to, yeah, <laughs> hey, that was really sweet. Um, I find that my listeners tend to be—I don't know—listeners feel free to disagree with me, but you tend to be a bit more reserved in terms of reaching out. So it was kind of nice to hear a bit like hear something like that. It was really cool, especially because you know we're very early days, so. Yeah, Purple Copperhead. I just wanted to thank you for that because I've been grinning about it ever since it happened. So really is like, do reach out. Like it does make a difference. I'm not that big that I'm just like, oh yes, the adoring public. (laughs) But anyway, uh, round two, um, really quickly, I played against a Mega Zoo build in round two. I don't know if you saw this one. This was Little Rugged Plays. Um, And I'll be putting all the... Sorry, just saying that I put all the links to all these content creators into the show notes at the end. So please do check all these people out because they're all fantastic people. Great to play against. Sorry, Sean, you were saying. Oh, no, I just said I briefly, I think, saw them yeah. playing on the stream. No, it was really cool. They were um, <clears throat> eight years old. <laughs> and I'm about to not come off looking very well in this because I did lose that <laughs> zero to two. <laughs> Uh, I, so I've never played against Megazoo. Can you explain how that oh. matchup actually works and how it goes? It was, it was so we. I it was the first time I've played against Megazoo as well, and I've got at this point I've played enough that I've got a pretty good idea of most of my matchups and what I need to be doing and what I need to be careful of. But for this, it was just there was I had no idea, and it was that surprise factor that really got around me. There was one point where they played just hard played three puppet mons in a row i had like omnimon on board i had lethal on board but they were just they had these huge things that were just keeping me suspended keeping me off the foot and it didn't matter that they were giving me this heaps of memory because they were kind of just playing stuff that was big enough and had enough of an impact that just really yeah it just didn't matter (laughs) that i would that they were giving me that much memory i couldn't there wasn't that much i could do to respond and maybe if i had more i don't know if ifs and buts were, you know, but <laughs> if I had more removal, etc. But yeah, it was just, it was really cool. I would definitely like to play around with that. And I think they did a video about it. So definitely worth checking out. But um, even now thinking back on it, I've still got no idea how, what I would do really differently because it's such a different way of playing the game. We're so used to digivolving up into things mm-hmm. and only occasionally dropping something that big from the hand, like in a desperate situation, a Magna Dramon, or if you've got a clear board of Volcanic Dramon, but just every turn, yeah, Machine Dramon, yeah, Puppetmon, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, I, I gotta play around with some Megazoo because I feel like it is such a counter, it feels counterintuitive strategically. Yeah. Um, also because, like, you know, Megazoo, I don't know how, what their draw engine would be. I mean, do they run all megas and then all level threes so you can draw every now and again they did have level threes so they were getting a little bit of draw but not it didn't seem like that much but then they just seemed to have yeah. what was right i think the first game they said afterwards that they drew the two puppet one in their opening hand so that was like <laughs> can't do anything about that but yeah yeah really I really mean, interesting I, I build. just sit on them sit on them till late game and you're like Ooh, yeah. okay just keep keep making it so you can't attack, and then eventually I'll have game on board. Yeah, that that was pretty much it. It was it was devastating, wow. but yeah, really, d- definitely something really different. And I just liked the idea of like going that far 
off meta kind of worked because as I said, I had no idea how to play against it. And I guess when you're that far off of the norm, you kind of know how to play against everything you come up against, but you've got the benefit of nobody knows what you're doing. So it's a big risk, but it can kind of pay off. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely want to play around with that. I think a future hmm. event, I'll definitely try to bring something completely out there, not oh, just yeah. a tweak on something everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did your round two go, Sean? Uh, I played against Max Tapera. Um, uh, you and some of your listeners may know his YouTube content. The stuff that he's been doing that I think has gotten the most attention has been his sketch videos. So he does like the, you know, uh, different sketch videos of like, you know, Digimon players when they go up to a tournament part one yeah. or whatever. Um, and so those are, those are kind of quite funny. And I've chatted with him actually before the event. Uh, we played a few games just randomly for fun. Yeah. Um, so it was nice seeing a, fr- a friendly face that you did know across the table from you. And um, he brought something pretty interesting and spicy as well. It was a purple-yellow mix, which I think there was actually two purple-yellows in the tournament. Yeah, I, I did see that. There were a couple of those floating around. And his version of purple-yellow, though, I think it was he was calling it Champion Rush. So the idea is that you yeah. go into these level fours, and he's also got, like, Petermon... So he has the Petermon with like to bring back Tinkermons. Yeah. Um and then he's also got the Wizardmon, which I've never played purple and yellow together, but Wizardmon has a an ability if you have another purple, you know, card in play, um, Wizardmon now has retaliate. So the whole concept there is it's a mixture of rush plus, you know, a little bit of board control in removing, you know threats on the board that are a little bit annoying right yeah uh with that retaliate mechanic yeah i really i retaliate is one mechanic i really like because you just you really lock the opponent into kind of playing around the retaliate when you've got it like i think he was playing i saw that he was playing devimon as well Mm -hmm. which not only has retaliate but gives it as an inheritable which is just like really cool (laughs) and and once that's on board it really does really shape the way that you've got to play because every time you attack you're like okay can he just trade this level four for my level six for my omnimon like it really does change yeah Yeah. which is cool and when you've kind of put your opponent into that position where they're playing around you i feel like that really does give you a bit of an advantage oh yeah and there was definitely um there was one swing turn that if i didn't draw into something or top deck it. I can't remember exactly which one I did yeah. on that turn, then there I would have lost. Um, and that was Volcanic Dramon. So yeah. <clears throat> I'd already played a Volcanic Dramon, which he'd gotten rid of at one point. Um, and, you know, obviously Max didn't know exactly what was in my deck and I, I run three of them. So, <laughs> you know, a high <laughs> count. Um, so it was a little bit higher odds that I would find it at some point, a second one. Uh, and on the one turn I needed it, I top decked it. Um, and that was able to, I could basically board clear and make it to where he didn't have lethal on board anymore. And the one thing I think Max said he would probably change with that deck, um, is he, because he was playing champion rush, he had all these rookies and he had all these champions, but, um, those required having a lot of cards usually in hand or having the Petermon in hand. Right. Yeah. And he said, probably a few Piedmons would also be beneficial. 
Um, yeah. Just as like another big body on the board that's not so easily destroyed by a Volk. Yeah. Because um, I think his deck is is particularly um, uh, harmed by Volcanic Tremont because almost everything is 4K yes, under. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose that's the um, risk that you run playing this kind of lower level strategy is that there does exist, you know, there is a counter to it. So you've got to be always be wary of that. And, uh, and it just crops up in every deck. Like most people, or a lot of people play Volcanic Javon because I guess for, for a while there, Rookie Rush, I don't know, maybe I've got a bit of a different perspective of, on it because I'm playing obviously in a different kind of a meta. But for a while there, Rookie Rush seemed to be the kind of boogeyman, like, oh, if you, you've got to be able to play around Rookie Rush, you've got to be able to deal with Rookie Rush. And so there was a lot of Volcanic Javon going around for mm-hmm. a while there. Although, I, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of, swayed a little bit i did see the hashtag like end of rookie rush going around on the um digimon facebook group for a while there so it might not be as big a thing anymore i don't think it is i think you're right i think you know if you look at all the big tournaments uh tiny percentages of people are playing it and i think that's largely to your point like there are a couple of cards that are Mm -hmm. straight counters to it and if your opponent only needs to play one or two of those to beat you then it does become like, well, okay, <laughs> I, that seems like a bad strategy then if if my opponent can only dedicate two out of the 50 cards in their deck to beat me and that makes it, you know, almost an auto win for them if yeah. they get it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, going into round three, I had a buy. I had no opponent. So pretty, um, pretty easy round for me to recap. I um, watched your stream. So... Uh... Oh yeah, which was great stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, you saw that. You, you saw yeah. that crazy round. Oh huh? yeah, I was there. <laughs> it it was. So. Can you give us tell us a bit about it? <laughs> I was. Uh, this is the first blue Omni Mirror that I played. Uh, I was playing against Dev's Utopia, uh, and yeah, he was playing Blue Omni. I will give him some credit though. His Blue Omni had a few cards in it that I don't normally see at least i don't play in my blue and and i probably should um <laughs> he was playing obviously zudomon zudomon gets played a little bit more often than i typically play it um yeah. partially because i only have one of them and i think to really do zudomon proper you need two three or four yeah um but he got a lot of value out of zudomon gaining memory on attack and uh the other one was the promo where guru um oh, there's okay. a where guru yeah, there's a Wergaruman that has plus one security if your opponent has any Digimon with no Digivolution sources, which is good, right? But yeah, it yeah. is counterable by your opponent just saying, like, okay, well, then I just won't give you that. Hmm. Whereas the one he played had plus one security if you, the player, have eight cards or more in hand. Oh, yeah. And okay, I like that because that is something that your opponent cannot play around. <laughs> like, there is no form of hand control nah. in Digimon at the moment so yeah once you get there you just get plus one security and 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 then you're off to the races yeah and, and as we've said already one that security attack plus one is if it's on something that your opponent can't deal with straight away it's just such a huge like um such a huge thing because it really just cuts in it cuts in half the amount of attacks you need to make to win basically like yeah. Usually it's usually it's six attacks to win, and then all of a sudden you've got security attack plus one. It's four attacks to win, I think. So, I mean, 
Yeah, I was going to say, if you have a, in a perfect world, yeah. the, the perfect scenario for that is you can win with technically just <laughs> two, two Mons on board. Yeah. And the way you do that is you get Metal Guru Ruman with the security plus one underneath it and a uh, Guru Ruman that unsuspends. Yeah. So okay. you swing Metal Guru Ruman, security plus one, pop the unsuspend. Got it. And then you go into Omnimon. And you swing again, security plus one, bring yeah. the level six back, swing again. So that's six security checks. So then you just swing with whatever <laughs> other rookie you got on board and, you know, then, then you're good to go. Yeah. I mean, that, look, that is getting a little bit into sort of that magical Christmas land. But um, if it happens that bit. once, you got to talk about it for like, God knows but, how long. I mean... I will say, in terms of the magical world that you're living in, yeah. on the other side of that equation on that game, I lived in the magical world for two of those three <laughs> games. Oh, wow. So, I, uh, so I'll, about the matchup, though, I was playing against him. Uh, he was able to take game one, yeah. uh, I, I don't know, fairly handily, but I think he did a pretty good job. I, I don't think I did a... He was really at risk, because his Blue Omni, I think, is better designed than mine as a pure Blue Omni. He's, got, okay. he's more consistent. Um, and I will say, Volcanic Dramon against Blue Omni is, uh, <laughs> broadly speaking, uh, not useful. <laughs> because <laughs> once you go past 4,000, which is easy, yeah. then you get no value from it. And if you give them that much memory, especially one that has a lot of draw power like that, you just they're going to find something to respond to it, typically. Yeah. So, that... Uh, but in the second and third game, I had insane security. I was able to basically delete every single attacker with security plus one whenever they were a threat on board for two games straight because of either them hitting into like Plesiomons yeah. or Metal Gururumons or Gaia Force insecurity. <laughs> um, so security saved me. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I was able to, to squeak out a 2-1 win in that <laughs> round with security. And I think this was the matchup. Did you get two Gaia Force from security in a row? Was that this yes. one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the street. The street it... went absolutely crazy <laughs> when that <laughs> happened. Yeah, and that's what I said. You know, you, you talk about the dream on his side. The yeah. dream on my side is I run oh. four Gaia Force. If I can get two or three Gaia Force in security, then we're we're living easy. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's one way to board clear a, an opposing a blue omni. <laughs> it's just double Gaia Force. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was something to see. It was great. <laughs> uh, round four, my opponent didn't turn up, and I know your opponent... My opponent didn't turn up either. Yeah. So <laughs> we both have the similar experience there. Yeah, so pretty dull round four. Did you go watch any other games during round four? I did. Yeah, I watched um, the match that would have determined who my next opponent was because there were only five rounds. So I was at that point 4-0 yeah. and only one other opponent would have been 4-0 and that was the one that was on stream. Uh, so it was a Zanetsu against Glycan. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, it was a green versus another blue Omni. <laughs> and uh, to be frank, I wasn't really excited to face either of them because no. <laughs> I, I know that Unless my security is good, blue Omni is tough, and green is also just tough for blue. <laughs> yeah, tough tough matchups either way. And that was yeah, that was an interesting game. I think there was a little controversy 
in there <laughs> that I don't I don't know that I have the time to get into today. There was a bit of a misplay, and then there was a bit of confusion about what should have happened. Um, I think I think the video is out there somewhere, and you can go and have a look. I think, generally speaking, though, we came to the conclusion that in the official uh, tournament rules put out by Bandai, um, spectators are expected to alert a judge if they see um, a misplay or something like that, which is pretty counter to most trading card games, as I understand it. I haven't played sort of yeah. competitively or in, or in tournaments for really anything except Digimon, so I'm not 100% sure on that one, but I got the feeling yeah. that yeah, pretty unusual to ask spectators to intervene like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless you've read that rule explicitly, yeah. I think erring on the side of caution, which is to say, this isn't my match, I am not the judge, yeah. so I, it's not my role to interfere with someone else's game. You know, <laughs> if I was playing in a card game and some people were watching me, uh, and me or my opponent made a misplay, yeah. uh, it would feel weird if they were all of a sudden like somebody else was calling judge on your behalf. Uh, yeah, even though that's technically like you know you're keeping the game state correct, it's just a socially strange thing to do. Yeah, it is a bit odd. Um, but I suppose just the main takeaway there is obviously as a player, you are responsible for tracking the board state for yourself and for your opponent. You're the primary person who's meant to catch that kind of stuff. And you should be paying attention to that stuff because you should be paying attention to the board state. So these things do slip past, but for most, mostly you should be paying attention to this stuff. But that said, in the official tournament guidelines, it does say spectators, media, etc., are meant to call it out. Um, I don't think, you know, as I said, that's not generally a part of trading card game culture. So people were a bit confused. All I'll say on it is that moving forward, we know the ruling now. And we should all move forward knowing that as spectators, we should say something if we see that. Specifically in Digimon. I don't know what the official rulings are for other card games, but just so we know. Can't change anything about it. Can't go back and fix it. We just need a roller. Yep. Yeah. I know that there was pretty uh, high emotions over it. Yeah, yeah. So how was your round five? Did you uh, get some vengeance? Okay, my round five... I finally, um, I think I was saying to you before this, I felt a bit disingenuous saying that I finished ninth overall because I lost two, had two um, buys slash opponents not turning up, and then one game where I actually won. So I only actually won one game over the course of the day. So I felt a bit bad saying, yeah, I finished ninth overall. But um, impossible to say how I would have done. But yes, round five, I did finally actually pull out a win. This was against um, Max's yellow-purple hybrid deck that you played in round two, I think you said. And yeah, this was really yep. cool. He told me it was a champion rush deck, as you said. So pretty similar, like the Volcanic Dramon came in pretty handy there. Um, I really like purple as a matchup. I find it really enjoyable to play around. It's the matchup, it feels the most like kind of like a puzzle to me because it's got so much removal that you need to play around. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit like um, masochistic or something, but I, I love the, the puzzle that that presents, all this removal you've got to be thinking about. And I love, ooh, do I attack into the security with my 
Bestmon first because the removal I'm worried about is Trump Sword, which doesn't affect a suspended Digimon. All that kind of stuff. I love the amount of thinking it makes you do. And um, so that was just a really fun kind of matchup. I don't remember whether it was, I ended 2-1 or 2-0. I think kind of stopped tracking it at that point because I thought, eh, like, whatever happens, happens. But it was it was a really fun yeah. deck to play against. It was doing some really cool stuff with the yellow and purple. He went for the yellow blockers, I think. Oh, interesting. Which I thought, yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice. And I think he even said afterwards that he might swap them out for the Vilemon, the purple blocker, instead. And that's not something I'd really thought about. I don't play hybrid. I don't play multicolor because it just 1.0 doesn't really support it hugely. Yeah. But I guess moving forward, I know that there is going to be some multicolor support. And so that's something to think about. What color blocker you're going to play? Are you going to play both, etc.? Because it does make a bit of a difference what you can digivolve from, what you can digivolve into, that kind of thing. So yeah, that was an interesting choice. Just one of the things I kind of picked up from there. But otherwise, a pretty sort of standard um, matchup. My deck did the thing it was meant to do, which is kind of be aggressive and get through. And yeah, just a little bit of playing around yeah. removal, but otherwise, just a yeah, a fun game overall, I would say. And your round five, there was a lot on the line. So no, yours is probably. Oh my god. <laughs> It's like, I, I said this on my stream too, and I was like, uh, it's surprising. I've never actually won a tournament that has more than like 20 people in it. Yeah. Um, in Pokemon, Digimon, whatever, right? Uh, and this was another one. I'm like, okay, fine. We're in the finals. It's, you know, it's only 32 people. It's not a regional, but it's still no. 32 people, you know? I was like, I got a shot here. And my deck just was like, nope. You get nothing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> both, man. both games were just brick city. Um, I tried to do what I could, could to draw out of it. You know, blue has there's always plays you can make, uh, and it was another yeah. blue mirror just for the for the listeners uh, for the context. Yeah. Um, so typically in the blue mirror, you don't want to give your opponent a ton of memory. But I will say, uh, you know, there are certain situations though where you have to change your strategy to try to put yourself into better situations further down the line. Yeah. Um, or maybe to put your opponent on the back heel. So one game I started and rather than, um, you know, leaving my opponent with just one memory, I decided to hard play a Gabumon for three, but it was the one that lets you draw a card. Yeah. Okay. Cause in my mind, I was looking at my hand going, I need more cards in hand more than I need to memory choke my opponent here. Yeah. Because my hand was completely dead otherwise. So that, you know, obviously, like, everything can be thought back to. and But that was my thinking at the time. Mm. But I just didn't eventually draw out of it. And then with Blue Omni, once they get rolling, um, Very hard like to, I said, yeah. yeah. And even with Gaia Force, right? Like, the only way you can actually actively play Gaia Force is if your Volcanic Dramon lives. Yeah. But giving a Blue player that much memory the ability they have to respond with their own Omnimon on the following turn usually means Volcanic Dramon is useless. Yeah. Um, which means Gaia Force in hand is also useless. So, you know, that's uh, uh, it's a little unfortunate. And then uh, game two, I had the wildest turn one. I started, I went first, I played Memory Spark for one and Volcanic Dramon to start the game. <laughs> wow. Because I will tell you, I had five, I had three level fives in hand. Yeah. And uh, Volcanic Dramon, Memory Spark, 
and that was it. Oh. So I'm like, I could hard play a level five, but that feels like I don't ever, I don't have anything to evolve into from a level five that's blue, yeah. right? Volcanic Jermon can't go into it. Um, so I was like, I can hard play this and give him six, which, yeah, I guess he can do less with six, but it's still enough, and I don't actually advance. I don't put any pressure on by doing that as well, you yeah. know? Um, so my thought there was like, I'll play Volcanic Jermon, and I will see, like, hey, you are it's literally turn one for you. You are going to have six cards in your hand to mm-hmm. start the game, and the rest of your deck and security has not been drawn. So the odds of you not having everything you need to go into Omnimon turn one are the lowest they're going to be for the whole game. Yeah. So that was my rationale there. It's like you need to have literally every piece from a hard play perspective, not, not a you know, raising area perspective. You need to have every piece to get into this Omnimon. And I was like, if you don't have it, then, hey, I've got a Vulcan board with security plus one, and I'm going to go to town, right? Yeah. And I, I have Gaia Force that could be live. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Maybe um, a little too much information there, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's really good. Uh, I think that's a big part of the reason I invited, invited you on to get that other perspective and to get that information, because I feel like... Um, yeah, when you're trying to get better at something, having more information is rarely harmful. So happy to have the big in-depth thing about the, the thought processes there because it's always really cool. Because I feel, I feel like a lot of people will get a hand that's kind of bricky like that and almost shut off a little bit. Like, oh, well, I drew the brick hand. I'm not going to win. But I guess your your example there shows that actually there are things you can do and there are still sort of thought processes you can thought processes you can go through to try to put yourself into a recoverable, recoverable, can't speak today, position. So even when you're drawing that hand that looks quite bricky, I guess the takeaway there is not necessarily to just kind of give up on the match or on the game. Because there are things that you can do. There are ways that you can, you know, that's one of the great things. That's one of the great things about this game is that you can, like, even the brickiest hand, unless it's all option cards, the brickiest hand (laughs) still has something you can play. Like, you'll be able to play something, maybe not necessarily turn one if you've only got stuff that's over 10 memory, but turn two, you'll still be able to play something. Like, Yeah, and I think to that point, right, it's like, you know, I think something to always keep in mind is, yes, it's important to imagine what your opponent can do to respond, yeah. what they may or may not have in hand based on the board state and the trash. Um, that's all important, but there's always going to be this element of, depending on where you are in the game, uh, of taking a risk and saying, like, you know, based on what I have in hand, I, I can do something, and there's always a chance my opponent doesn't have the response. Yeah. And, you know, that, you know, it's, it's always a risky take because, to be honest, if he'd done the same thing, I didn't have the response in hand, right? So <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been the correct play if we had literally flipped the script yeah. and he'd done the same thing I did. So, yeah. So there you go. And that's why I'd, one of the things I've tried to start doing recently is to pay attention to how many cards my opponent has in hand because that also kind of changes that risk assessment. Like giving your opponent a lot of memory, a lot less risky when they've only got kind of a couple cards in hand versus when they've got a full kind of five card 
grip. Yeah. And I've had people ask me, like, why are you asking me how many cards you've got in hand? You can't affect it. Like, well, I can't affect it, but it does change my calculation a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your opponent's got 20 cards in hand. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm going to assume you've got everything you might want. So. Yeah, I'm not going to give you the 10 because you're just going to swarm yeah. over me at this point. Yeah. Awesome. So looking back on the day, would you change your deck? Would you change the way you played? Obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, so I'm sure the answer will be yeah. yes, but is there anything you would do differently or especially with the way you built the deck? Um the one suggestion I actually got from Deb's Utopia yeah. uh was you know, when he mixes colors, he actually likes to mix colors via the blocker line. So okay. the reason being is, you know, hard casting a blocker is not the most absurd thing in the world. No. Um, which I, you know, I totally uh, agree with, right? Like if you hard cast a blocker for five or six memory, it's, you'll have turns where you can do that and actually only leave your opponent with one or two. And um, that is a, and that is much less of an obvious threat on the board if you're color mixing for the purpose of using option cards. Yeah. Whereas Volcanic Dramon, you get the value from it in terms of deletion of level four, of uh, 4,000 DP or lower. So, yeah. no. But it is such an obvious threat that your opponent warps their response around it. Yeah. Whereas a hard-played blocker that's a different color, they may say, okay, well, are you just going to choose to block anyway? So blah, blah. <laughs> and then you just don't choose to block, you yeah. know, if you're in that part of the game. And all of a sudden, those option cards are live. So that is one consideration yeah. um, that, that I would uh, probably play around with is, you know, Maybe changing up the way that the the mons that I'm using to activate the options. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Um. Yeah. For my part, I guess I'm not sure really what I would change about it. Clearly, it didn't kind of work very well, but I'm, I'm not sure what it is that I would swap up. Um. Since playing, I have actually swapped out a few cards but mostly just because i've acquired those cards and mm. i always meant to play the full set anyway like i finally got my fourth gilmon so i swapped that in for the um the Argibon that fetches a tamer from the top of your deck which wasn't really mm -hmm. doing anything for me it was just kind of filling out the um level three slots yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um put in another metal tyrannomon which is in red I really love that card just to get the level five with 10,000 DP is sometimes really good to have that amount of power that quickly. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at it. I'm not sure what I would change about it, but then that's also me speaking from that perspective. As I said, I don't have a big card pool to draw from anyway at the moment. So it's kind of hard to think like what I would swap in because in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, well, I don't have a second Omni one to put in. I don't have this, that, the other. Like in my dream world, yeah, I'd put in these cards, but I know I just kind of find it hard to speculate at the moment. Sorry, I did cut you off there. No, no, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I will say that um, there is a benefit though. Like if you don't have all the cards that yeah. you want, right? Um, there's always this, this on the fence though, of like, do I actually need this card or do I actually need that card? Yeah. And, you know, not saying that, you know, after you, you know, have a tournament that your response should always be go buy the things. Yeah. But it, I think it, it can help you to understand like, you know, 
the real value of some certain cards. Um, and then there may be other cards that you're like, you know, actually, I don't know if that card would have really mattered. Yeah. Um, and instead, maybe this card that I either do have and I just didn't think about or, or that you mm. don't have. I, I think there is some value to be gained from, like, realizing the value of some of these cards in that way. You know, if you can't afford to go get them in the future, it, you know, you feel like, yes, you, you know, they're definitely needed rather than it's a <laughs> yeah. completely frivolous thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I like to sort of informally close each of my episodes with a bit of a reflection on what we learned from the topic or the event. So, um, Sean, do you have any anything you've kind of learned from this particular event? Any big takeaways you had overall? I think the biggest takeaway I had, and this was a hypothesis going in, okay, um, is that if you play a deck that is very familiar... Um, you know, unless you just love it and it's perfect, right? Yeah. But if you're playing a deck that's very familiar and you're and you're finding that more often than not you're struggling against opponents because they are so familiar with your deck and how it plays, yeah. If you can find cards or ways to really throw your opponent off, um, that might be all you need to swing a best of three because it's really hard for your opponent to adapt to certain things in just one in yeah. one game especially but even in a best of three because you know if you catch them off guard in one game then really all you need to do it's a 50 50 right i just have to win one of the other games then yeah by outplaying my opponent and that is in large part what the gaia force in the blue omni did for me which was you know i put a, a card in there that nobody expects to see in blue omni yeah um it made aspects of blue omni worse but the benefit it gained me was I was able to, you know, high roll. Certainly there was luck involved, but I was able to high roll into some wins that my opponents didn't play around because they didn't know they were supposed to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely saw that in my round one as I was on the other end of that. And yeah, you're playing <laughs> yeah. Blue Omni. You've kind of got, you know, roughly what the deck list is in your head, what you've got to be careful of. And then your opponent plays the volcanic draw and even that's not unexpected you know that's a pretty common tech card but then when the gaia force comes down all of a sudden you've dropped game one and then there's this whole other calculation you've got to be thinking about now this yep. whole like this whole other card you weren't expecting and then it's like, all of a sudden you're thinking crap how many how many gaia force do you play in a blue omnimon tech how many do i need to be worried about <laughs> Yeah, it really is like, throws you for a loop, but it's hard to adapt that quickly because you do have to adapt that quickly because if you drop game two, that's it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I might have seen, I don't know if it was red or if it was blue or, or someone. I also saw another deck that was playing um, a multicolor and their second color was Flower Cannon. Um, and so they were running like, I don't remember what the other base card was. Maybe it was the Mimi Tamer or something. Yeah. But that's another combo that I think should be thought about a little bit if you're trying to really spice up one color is throw in four flower cannons and find some other card to mix yeah. with it um because that i mean from security that is oh, as devastating huge. almost as devastating as gaia force so absolutely huge and um i don't know if you ever played the old duel masters trading card game back in the day but um, no it had a very similar um 
it had the basically the security mechanic as well. And yeah, one of the cards they had was functionally flower cannon. It would come up out of the, I think they called it the shields, and it would trigger and suspend everything. And so when I picked up Digimon and then saw the text on flower cannon, it was like, oh no, sort of war flashbacks, like it's happening again. <laughs> I've got to worry about this card again because it is that good out of the security. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Cool. So... Uh, I think we saw that Blue Omnimon is still pretty dominant in 1.0, unfortunately. It'd be nice to get a bit more variety, and I think we did see some pretty good showings from other colours as well on the day. But, yeah, um, Blue Omnimon still seems to be topping it, even when people don't have as much of an incentive to just play top of the meta. I guess it's still that good. Um, Yeah. But we saw the hybrid purple-yellow, which is really cool. Saw some different stuff. I know that at my local game store, purple and yellow are definitely the most popular colours. So it was definitely interesting to see. This was a tournament where people kind of had more incentive to just play the stuff that they liked or the stuff that they thought was interesting. And it was interesting to see that given that incentive, they went for purple and yellow again. I thought that was kind of cool from a personal standpoint that, like, at my local game store, people love purple and yellow. When we're playing online and people get to play what they want, they play purple, they play yellow. Yeah. And, know. and you know, I think purple and yellow, green, I think it's green, a popular definitely. hit. Yeah. But green has such a good matchup against Blue Omni, typically, that oh, man, I, um, yeah. I would be uh, surprised if that doesn't see more success. I mean, obviously, it sees success at a high level. Like, yeah. I think it wins tournaments. But it doesn't see success from a meta spread like no. there's just not as many people play it so no but we'll definitely see some change in that when 1.5 hits but it'll be interesting to see when 1.0 officially releases what that's going to do to the meta and the meta spread because all of a sudden we'll get a lot more people a lot more events a lot more data so it's going to be a really interesting time to see how that actually changes what we think of as the top decks what we think of as the weak decks yeah etc which would be really cool. Um, going to have to wait a little bit longer for that, unfortunately. I think I just saw today that the US release of 1.0 has been pushed back. I don't know if you saw this. I did. February yeah. 12th, I want to say. Yeah. So two weeks. Yeah, a little bit longer, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. But I guess for those of us who are lucky enough to get some pre-release stuff, not as bad because we at least have some cards to play with, but definitely still disappointing but given the state of things in the world not unexpected i guess yeah that's a good it's not unexpected but yeah uh, yeah and then 1.5 also got pushed back two weeks world yeah sad so anybody who's not loving a blue omni world uh <laughs> i would say buckle up you got an extra two weeks in the uh yeah <laughs> you know on your set to added to your sentence if you will <laughs> oh man but uh, but 1.0 is a pretty fun sort of format to play in as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of give and take, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as somebody who plays Blue Omni, like I can't. I'm not really <laughs> complaining. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm if anything, I'm part of the problem, quote unquote. But um, nah. yeah, I, I would say you can play lots of things that are not expensive that can still beat Blue Omni, and uh, yeah. definitely worth playing around and experimenting with right now when the stakes are relatively mm. low right because there's not really a proper competitive scene yeah definitely um but anyway from that kind of a bit of a dour note 
into something hopefully a bit more <laughs> lighthearted. Uh, for this week, our listener question is, what is your favourite Digimon card from Special Booster version 1.0 and why? Uh, Sean, do you have a favourite Digimon card from 1.0? Oh, And why boy. is it Omnimon? You know I am going to say it is, it's not Omnimon. Okay, okay. Uh, strangely enough, I would probably say that my favorite to play with has been the Wear Guru Rumon with security plus one in blue. Okay, um, yeah. I, I just, I feel like it's, I, I like the way it looks, one. He's, yeah. I guess he's a cool looking card for me. And then two, I like security plus cards. Yeah. I, like they're just interesting to me. As a player, I was also drawn to red early on. So being able to get that little red flavor yeah. in my blue Omni deck, it just it it feels uh it feels nice. Very good. Um, for my part, I think my favorite Digimon card is actually Dark Tyranimon. That's the red level four six to play six thousand DP one to Digivolve. I just love being able to Digivolve up into a um a level four for one. It's vanilla, but like there's just something about that. I'd like to play a little bit memory chokey. And so my favorite turn one play into the rookie, into the dark Tyranobon, you've got one memory go. And that's a little bit, that's my maybe competitive side coming out a little bit. My favorite card is something that lets me memory choke people, but yeah. And then the art is also great. Like across the game, the art's really good. So yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Like there's like not a lot of bad art. No. Definitely, I don't think I've seen a card yet that I've looked at and been like, oh, really? That's where you went with? <laughs> no, it's across the board. Pretty solid. Awesome. Well, um, please tweet your answer to the listener question with hashtag Memory Gauge Podcast or comment on the listener question post in the Facebook group, Memory Gauge Podcast, and you might receive a shout out at the top of next week's episode. Uh, Sean, where can the listeners find you and your content? Yeah, um, my Digimon stuff will be on YouTube. It's Gyro Sean Plays. Yeah. G-Y-R-O is how you spell that. And then Sean is spelled the, the Irish way, S-E-A-N. But yeah. Plays is after that. If you just search my name on YouTube, then you'll find all my Pokemon content, uh, which you know you have added if you want. But I, I feel like your listeners are going to prefer Digimon. Um, and yeah. then it's just Gyro Sean on Twitch and Twitter. So, Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, yeah, I loved I loved talking about this uh, this tournament and yeah and sharing some of my wild uh, <laughs> ideas. <laughs> no, it was yeah, great to have you. Um, so, listeners, if you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, tweet at me at Connor EFMG or email me at memorygagepodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group. I'm always happy to hear from you. New episodes come out each week, so be sure to follow the Memory Gauge podcast on your podcast service of choice to stay up to date. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge logging out. <laughs> <laughs>